now live. And so today's lesson title is The Life I Now Live Too. So if we know about the, the book of Galatians, it's a, it's a letter of Paul, and he's writing to a region of churches that are literally being in, thrown into chaos. And over the period of time, I've done a series on, on Genesis and how um, the world started in chaos, and throughout our lives, we're going to be in chaos. Um, and that's what was happening in, in the region of churches. They were being thrown into chaos by outside teachers. And the bottom line was, Paul's letter was, these disciples that he's writing to were not holding on to Jesus. They weren't holding on to the word of God. Um, These teachers, outside teachers, were teaching uh, Jesus plus. Jesus and a little bit of Judaism. And Paul was like, no, Jesus is enough. And Paul loves these people. And he's calling them back to the gospel. He's calling them back to the good news of Jesus. He's calling them back to understand what Jesus signifies for us in our lives even today. And so I want to pick it up here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And Paul's writing, and he says, For I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the faith I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I have three simple points, but in those three points are going to be three thoughts or three um, things. And the first thing is a concept. It's an abstract idea. The second is an action, the process of doing something. And the third is a truth, the quality or state of being true. So the first we're going to look at is the concept, then the action, and then the truth. So the concept here is, point number one, is crucified. Crucified with Christ. It's a concept. And Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 2, he's saying, I have been crucified with Christ. Well, how? When? When did this happen to Paul? And literally, it's a concept. He, he, in his mind, he's participating with Jesus. You know, when something's important to somebody, they'll always repeat themselves. You know, they'll, they'll talk about it. They'll, they'll, it'll come up in conversations. It'll come up when you're spending time with that person. It'll come up perhaps when you're talking to them, when they write an email, uh, perhaps when they're texting. It's a concept that'll always kind of linger and be with that person. And see, Paul talks about it in another letter that he wrote to a church that he's never visited before, but he really wanted to go visit these disciples. And it was a letter to the church in Rome. And in Romans chapter 6, in verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? (laughs) No means. By no means. What then, or how then, can we die to sin and still live in it? 
Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may live or walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in his death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So again, this is a concept that Paul has, and he's writing a a completely different letter to a completely different group, and he's literally bringing in that concept like he did to the Galatians. And he talks about participating. Participating with Jesus. United with him in death. And then a little bit later, being united with him, raised to a new life. The old self crucified, the new self raised with Jesus. And he's identifying with Jesus and his death, and both to the both to the physical, the flesh world, and to the world as itself. And it literally ceases to be controlling factors in Paul's life. You know, perhaps Paul could have reworded it, or we could reword it. I've been cru- I have crucified my right to self-control. In the same way that Jesus was physically crucified. He gave up his right to live or a right to a physical life, and I have given up my right to a self-life. And see, in Paul's thought process, and this concept is that literally he participated with Christ in his death. You know, he says it in Galatians a couple more times in different focuses. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. And we read this last week. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So you think about that. What are, what are passions that your flesh have? Is it overeating? Oversleeping? Sex? Alcohol? Drugs? What, what, are, what are things in your flesh that has desires or passions? Verse 14 in Galatians, chapter 6, verse 14 in the book of Galatians is the letter. He says it again. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So he's talking about here, he said now it's not only just his flesh, but he's also crucified to the world. You know, we can have some fun. It's like, what are, what are some of the ways the world entices us, pulls us in? I don't know if you still get the Sunday paper. But in the day when I used to get it, about half of the Sunday paper would all be about advertisements. Buy this. Buy me. You, you know, what, what's a new saying? You'll save money if you spend more money. And we all love to save money, so that means we should spend more money to save money. The world. And see, Paul's consumed. We talked about motivation last week. Paul's consumed 
He goes, I've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. Again, it's a concept. Now he's pulling in a second concept, and that second concept is not only being crucified, but now it's Jesus living in me. You know, I remember a number of years ago, I, I did a lesson. Um, you know, I was at a small conference workshop. Uh, a bunch of church leaders were there, and I did something. And, and then afterwards, Patty and I were walking to our hotel uh, room, and afterwards, and this brother comes running up. And it was someone that I, I go back, like, before I got married. In fact, we were roommates. And he, and he walked up to me with Patty right next to me. He goes, either A, you're not taught aside, or God does miracles. Now, a lot of people are laughing because one of the things I do is I try to teach how to have relationships. And, and there's a way to compliment somebody, and there's a way not to compliment somebody. <laughs> you know, it's what I call the backhanded compliment. And that's exactly what he did. He, he, in his mind, he was really trying to compliment me, encourage me. And Patty was like, I just felt Patty's hand come up, and I was like, hold her down, hold her down, you know. <laughs> but I knew what he was saying, and I appreciated it. He was like, because I was. When I, what I told people over and over again, my first 10 years as a Christian, I called a decade of ignorance. Where was I? What was I thinking? Where were my convictions? I was literally out in left field and literally by the grace of God over a decade of not quitting. God allowed me to grow and understand and appreciate Christ in me. Jesus in me. Complete change of attitude. Dying to myself. Dying to my desires. Dying to what I think is right versus maybe what God or Jesus thinks is right. Christ living in me. His will, his vision, his passion. I'm his man. And it literally changes everything. It changes everything we do and we think, what we say. It changes everything. Because I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. It's a concept. Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now we're going to leave the concept, and now we're going to look at the action. Living by faith. Paul says, the life I now live. In the flesh, I live by faith. You think about that, living by faith. Is that boring? Well, don't answer the question quite yet. Is it boring, living by faith? I mean, what does it mean to live by faith? 
Well, Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he, he, he talks about faith again. And let's look at Galatians chapter 3 in verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that those of faith are the, are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what does Paul do? He pulls in Abraham. And these people knew Abraham. And he says three things. He says, you know, those who who live by faith, just leave the scripture up here. Those who live by faith, that'll make you children of Abraham. Those who live by faith are those who will be justified. Those living by faith will be blessed along with Abraham. You need to think about this for, for a second. Those who live by faith Make us children of Abraham. So, golly, I don't know how what it was, about eight, nine years ago, uh, my biological father came into my life, uh, never met him, never talked to him, 48 years old, got an email on a Monday morning, and like, for almost five decades, knowing that I had a father out there, but I never met him, talked to him. And, And literally, for the next course of the next, like, three months, I did a series in talking about it, share about the interaction with my father. And, and literally, like, the whole region was, like, part of the drama that, was, that I was going through. All the ups and downs. And literally, there were a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And it got to a point where I went to visit him. But he actually had a, two strokes and died before I got to talk to him physically. But being a child of God. A lot of times we take for granted having a parent. And some of us have had good households and good parents, and God bless you. Good for you. A lot of us probably hadn't. Or if we did, maybe they weren't ideal. But here, a child of God. Just that whole concept, a child of God. And that's a whole sermon series you can do. If you understand being a child of God. Of God, and here it talks about a child of Abraham, which is okay. Theologically, we can we can talk about that, but it's the same concept. Living by faith, God justifies. Now, in our society, um, unfortunately, we have we have twisted a word, um, and it's called sin. And and what sin means, it means literally to miss the mark. And unfortunately, some of those, some people who feel very strongly about religion will use the word sin like a hammer. You know, well, you're in sin. Boom. I don't like the way you live your life. Boom. And, and what sin means is missing the mark. And if you talk to anybody that if you were like in archery, because it's an archery term, and literally if, if we were having some fun here, getting ready to go maybe hog hunting, we're going to practice archery. All it means is is you miss the mark. You fall short. And if you talk to anybody, and if you ask them honestly, do you feel like you're hitting the mark? Do you feel like you're living the way that God designed you to live? 
Are you? Are you? And I'll, probably nine out of ten would say, no, I'm not. I, I miss the mark. I miss it. And that's what Christianity is, trying to help us hit the mark. And see, justified, living by faith, God justifies. It's basically God saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to hit the mark. I'm going to take care of you missing it, and you're going to start hitting it now, or you are hitting it now. Nothing you're doing but what I'm doing for you. And then blessing. Bless, it says, living by faith, you're going to be blessed along with Abraham. So, again, whenever you read something like this, you always want to go back to the beginning. So when you pull someone like Abraham in, like Jacob, Isaac, you always want to go back to the beginning. And the beginning is Genesis. So let's just for a second go back to the beginning and look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And that's when we meet Abraham in the Old Testament. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So get this for a second. Abram, Abraham, was 75 years old. He was prosperous. He was rich. He was settled. He probably had a really nice house in Hickory Creek. He was... 20 years older than I am now, thoroughly pagan, doing things the way he wanted to do, his way, and the word of the Lord came to him. And what did the word of the Lord say to him? Go. Go. Leave this place. What God is saying to Abraham is like, I want you to leave here because I am going to take you on an adventure. I have something exciting for your life. I have something that I'm going to do through you, and you're going to be blessed. And not only are you going to be blessed, but you're going to bless the whole world. I want you to leave your country I want you to leave your possessions. I want you to leave your people. I want you to leave your father's house, and I want you to go. And I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. And see, his leaving started a chain reaction. If Abram would have gotten up and go, gone, going, whatever the verb is. (laughs) Went, all right? Whatever, you know. <laughs> this side is so, so, so much more gen, ju, judgmental. You guys are very more sensitive. So told to leave several things. Like I said, his country, his people, his father's household. Told nothing about the land where he would go. But the only thing he was told is that he would be blessed if he left. 
And his departure required an unparalleled act of faith. And see, living by faith takes God at his word and obeys him. Living by faith hears the word of, the God, word of God and willingness to step out and beyond. And see, as disciples, we're still called to go. You know, we've been talking a lot here in the future about, about the Dallas church and, and growing the church and, and literally now like having six worship services of, of 200 and, and growing the church throughout the whole DFW area and having disciples in all part and, and literally living the life of discipleship. But that means some of us have to go. And some of us have to stay. And sometimes we go and sometimes we stay, but it's still living by faith. Because, see, I'm a part of God's family. And wherever I'm at, I need to be to build God's kingdom. And so how do you choose? How do you pick? Well, you know, that, that's the, some of the challenges. We developed the, the, the Denton group and the central group. And, and finally we got to the point where, well, you know, let me just show you kind of what, how we figured out things here. So first ever regional draft, hopefully the only one. Uh, we're very excited to be here. How are you doing, Jordan? I'm doing well, Chris. You know, people have been working extremely hard for this day. For myself, I have not shaved for two years because of this draft. And we can tell, Jordan, by virtue of a coin flip, Alan has won the first pick of the draft. <laughs> Hold on, folks. We're just receiving word Alan has turned in his first pick, and with his first pick, it looks like he has selected John Lines. This makes complete sense, Chris. The right. solid service starts with a solid AV guy. <laughs> We're taking a live look with Jeff here. He doesn't look real happy with that last pick, Jordan. I bet, Chris. John was a clear first choice. We see Jeff is sending in his first pick, and it looks like we just received word. Oh, wow. His first pick is Trey Gower. Wow. Jeff has really turned the tides in this draft. He is clearly making this personal. Absolutely, Jordan. Wow. Let's see how Alan's dealing with that news. <laughs> he does not look happy, Chris. That's a, that's a really great insight there, bro. But I'm getting news that we're getting Alan's second pick, and Alan selects, oh no. Alan selects Laura Smith. Oh my goodness, he took his mom? No way. This is getting out of hand. We're heating up here, Chris. It's, it's a little crazy. Let's take a look to see how Jeff is dealing with this news, Jordan. Jeff does not look happy at the moment, Chris. Yes, spot on analysis. Again, who invited you? <laughs> well, it looks like Jeff has quickly figured out his next pick, though. I'm getting it here on my phone. Let's take a look. We're receiving word, but Jeff's next pick has taken. No, Jeff. Jeff has picked Matt Fab as his next selection. Oh my goodness, Chris, this is huge. Jeff has taken Alan's song leader. Not sure if they're going to let Alan sing and preach. Uh, it looks like Alan has decided to stop texting in. I'm not getting any more news. What's this? It looks like Alan is calling Jeff Smith directly. Let's see if we can get a look at that. 
So we've gotten word of this phone call. You know, I really wonder what they're talking about, Jordan. My best guess is we're going to see our first ever trade. Wow. If that's true, Chris, we haven't seen something like this since the South traded the Assads to the North. It would be pretty big news. Hang on. I'm getting a trade alert, in fact. Uh, it looks like Jeff has phoned in his trade. Uh, this is unbelievable. Oh, I'm trying to... Oh, no. What? Jordan Zek has been traded to the Denton region. What? For... For what? Jordan Zek was traded to the Denton region for a bag of Bibles and a small handful of two-in-one communion cups. This is, this is ridiculous. It's been an exciting first draft day, everybody. I uh, can't wait to see what the week brings, but there's going to be more exciting picks for sure. Stay tuned. Amen. Amen. Yay. So that was the best we can do to learn how to figure out how we're going to split the two groups. <laughs> and so what's really exciting here is how God, I believe, is going to work through both worship services to really grow um, God's church. And so wherever we're at, wherever worship service that, that we're going to be a part of, the issue is we're there to serve and to love and to give glory to God because we're called to go. We're called to live by faith. We're called to have that attitude of, of, of man, life's a blessing in Christianity. Life, God wants to bless us. He wants to care for us. He, he wants us to be sex, successful. He literally wants to bless us beyond our wildest dreams. And that's what he said to Abraham. So it gets back to, is this boring? It's not. Life in Christ is exciting. But see we got to be willing to go. And if we're not willing to be willing to go or stay, that means we still want to do it our way. And then that's when those gears start grinding. And then that's when it becomes difficult. Because we're conflicted. Because we want to do it our way and not his way. And then the last thing, besides the, the concept putting aside the action, which is to live by faith. Now I want to talk about the truth. And that's the last point. Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, it says right here, our last point is loved and gave himself for me. I've been loved and he gave himself for me. That's the last truth. You know, who loved me and gave himself for me? Well, Jesus did. I'm loved. You're loved. And when you, and again, here's, here's where I want to go with that statement. I want to say, well, I'm loved, you're loved. And it's like, well, when you realize you're loved, well, that's the problem. If you say something like that, that means basically you're in control still. Well, I don't believe I'm loved. I don't feel like I'm loved. Well, I don't really think I'm loved. It's like, well, that's not, that's your problem. It's not God's problem. It's because he's already loved you. He's already loved me. And, and so the, the thing we have to, to grapple with and work on and understand is like, 
How do you respond when someone loves you? How do you respond to that? Whether or not you believe it or not. How do you respond? Well, again, you got to go back to Romans. Again, that same, cons- that, that same thing is like when you talk to someone, they, they, it, it always comes out in their dialogue. Well, it comes out in, in the letter to the Roman church again. This time in chapter 5 in the book of Romans, verse 6. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die, even to die. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled. What shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So, okay, one way to first of all understand this first part, go back to the very first verse 6. He says, for, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. Okay, the best way I can explain that is if you like Star Trek, if you're going to die... Who would you die for, Kirk or Spock? <laughs> Kirk, all the time. Because Kirk is, is a kind of a good guy. But Spock is an intellectual, and he might be right. But you know what? You're not going to die for um, a righteous person. You're going to die for the good guy. And so that's kind of what Paul was talking about when he wrote this. Would you die for Spock or Kirk? Um, <laughs> So, but what Paul does is he wraps up everything in this verse, in this scripture that we're talking about. He says, while we were weak, when we were sinners, when we were God's enemies. And I think you got to wrap your mind around that. I think most of us get the weak part. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see my weakness. If you're in a humble state, you can sit there like, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm weak at times, at times. <laughs> and if you're really humble, missing the mark, you know, still sinners, okay. But enemies? Well, we don't have any enemies except for the Russians. That's the only enemies we have. <laughs> Oh, that's because the politics and because of the news. That's what they want you to think, that the Russians are your enemies. And so you can, okay, I can live with, or North Korea. They're your enemies. But not in Denton. I have no enemies in, in, in Capel. Well, but see, at one time, you were an enemy of God. And you've got to be able to wrap your mind around that and appreciate that. An enemy. No, I'm a good guy. No, I, don't, I haven't hurt anybody. No, you're an enemy. And you just don't want to acknowledge it. But what did Jesus do? Well, he reconciled. He justified. He loved. Whether or not you accept it or not, God did this for everybody. 
Now, Randy Moon did a great lesson about a year ago. Like, it's like, okay, we're all predestined, but you still have to present yourself. That's a whole other sermon. But see, God so loved the world. He says he has reconciled us. He has justified us. And again, that justification thought process is, I know you're missing the mark. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about missing the mark. So what's the bottom line? What's the bottom line to Galatians chapter 2, 20? You know, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. So what do I do with that? Well, go figure. Paul kind of tells us in the book of Galatians. Well, look at chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Only faith working through love. Living a life of faith that expresses itself in love. Does your faith express itself in love? You know, I appreciate last week... um, Frank did contribution talk down in the central group, and, and he talked about special missions contribution and how Mallory, his wife, said, I want to make it hurt this year. And he vi- visibly showed his, not excitement, but like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but see, they want to express their faith by what they do in love. Galatians chapter 5, in verse 13. He says, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Living by faith expresses itself through love. Living by faith serves one another in love. Serving each other. How can we serve one another in our Bible talks, family groups? You know, certainly here when we come, we can serve. We find ways that we can serve each other. Maybe it's, maybe it's AV. Maybe it's children's ministry. Maybe it's setting up, coming in early, staying late. I don't know. I'm doing this because I want to serve in love. But then also it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how does that look? How have, you, how have you been doing loving your neighbors? Seriously. Do you even know your neighbor's name? Do you love your coworker? Do you love those people who aren't disciples and they're not easily loved? They're actually kind of difficult to be around? Do you look for ways to love them? And see, that's living by faith. And then lastly, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the, spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, living by faith grows in the fruit of the Spirit. You know, last week we talked about maturing, holding on to the Word, growing. Have you been developing in the fruits of the Spirit? 
Do people look at you and your discipleship? It's like, wow, you're, you know, you're a lot more loving now than you were a year ago when you first got baptized. You know, you're a lot more joyful, more peace. You're a lot more patient, and you're, a lot, you're kinder. There's a lot of good comes out of you. You're faithful, gentle. You're self-controlled. And see, those of us who are living by faith are going to grow in the spirit. So I hope this morning that I don't have to do this lesson the third time next week. <laughs> that we'll look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And we'll have that same passion as Paul did when he wrote that to a group of people that he loved dearly. He shared with them a concept he shared with them an action, and he shared with them a truth. And I hope as disciples, we too live our lives that way. Amen.